The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Making the world your lover. That's what we're here to do, my darlings. That's what we do through my online joy school at lisamaccord.com, through my newest book, Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness. And it's what we're going to do right here, right now together on the Do Joy podcast, where I bring you fascinating guests with powerful insights for elevating your personal vibration. Deep lasting happiness is a skill you can learn, and I'm so honored to be on this journey with you. Hey, you beautiful listeners. I hope you are finding joy and magic and meaning in these earliest weeks of fall. We've had so much going on here at Joy School with the release of the new book, Free Your Joy, a few weeks ago. The launches have been so much fun and the related workshops, both online and in person. I just feel so blessed by it all. Here's what is still coming up that you're invited to participate in, a few really yummy, wonderful things. First of all, there are still a few spots available to join me in Southern California, October 13th to 15th at the beautiful, breathtaking Cactus Blossom Retreat Center. I'll be leading a retreat that weekend that truly will be a transformational experience for those in attendance. It's based in the principles that are woven all throughout Free Your Joy, but the book is really a DIY manual, right? It's everything that you'd ever need to know to embark on a rich, deep personal growth journey completely on your own. So in the retreat setting, I'll be able to take those principles to such a deeper, richer level because, as you can imagine, there are just many things that can't be delivered in a book. So those are the tools and practices for dramatically increasing your joy that you'll learn at the retreat. Victoria Shaw will be there to teach you ways to increase your intuitive abilities. She'll also be giving intuitive readings to participants. And we've added a really special session to this retreat experience. Our brilliant friend, Chris Niebauer, the Deepak Chopra endorsed author of No Self, No Problem, How Neuropsychology is Catching Up to Buddhism. 
He's going to be joining us now as well. Chris explains the science behind all these things we talk about here better than anyone I know. He is brilliant, funny, cool, fun to be with. We're so excited that he'll be joining our facilitation team for this really, truly transformative weekend. Go to my website, lisamacourt.com, as quick as you can, spaces are filling up, and you can reach out to me from there if you still have any questions after reading about it. It's going to be just so phenomenal. And if you know that you can't make it to Southern California in a few weeks, the other great news update is that Joy School is now open for new memberships, and it's the perfect time to come on board. We meet online four times each month, different days, times to accommodate different schedules and time zones. And we do powerful, meaningful work together in a loving, embracing environment that has just been the springboard for miracles for so many joy schoolers over the years. We'd love to welcome you. Now's a perfect time. Again, all the information about that is at my website, lisamacourt.com. One more collaboration that I'm so excited to be reinvigorating, really, because we've collaborated on and off for well over a decade now, is with my cherished heart brother, Robert Mack. Oprah-endorsed, celebrity coach, love bug superstar. He and I have an online event coming up through the Infinity Foundation at the end of this month where professionals can earn CEUs. And we have an in-person intensive at Jamar Enlightenment Center here in South Florida at the end of next month. We'll be announcing some more online and in-person events beyond that, so check the website for those. I'll also be doing three days of book signings and readings and workshops as a featured author at the Plum Creek Literacy Festival in Nebraska next month. If any of you listeners plan to be there, send me a message through the website. Let me know so we can be sure to connect. I have a wonderful guest to share with you today, so I'm going to introduce her now and get her in here with us. Jennifer Sukalo is a speaker, author, and transformational expert. She's the creator, founder, and CEO of Swagger You, a personal development approach to harnessing a person's untapped potential to become who they are meant to be. We like that here at Joy School and at the Do Joy podcast. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, how could I not? Because what a, a fascinating topic. I mean, we we do talk about trauma a bit on this podcast, I will tell you. But uh, you have this approach that just makes trauma feel so empowering. And lucky us who had all that trauma, right? Because we get to tap into this swagger. <laughs> That's right. I like to say that swagger is not just a word. It's a lifestyle. Yes. And it's. Uh, it's an acronym, so I have defined swagger in a completely different way. So if you break down the letters, the swagger acronym stands for self-worth, appreciation for your strengths and limitations, gratitude for how your life experiences have helped shape who you are, grounded in your core values, empowered to overcome your self-limiting beliefs, and renewed through a greater focus on your passion and purpose. And so that, when you do the work, when you tap into and start using what you already have, 
that's when you really claim your swagger and that's when you can be at your best, perform at your best and live your best life. You are speaking our language, girlfriend. I like your acronym. Yes. And I liked the the distinction between appreciation and gratitude. We kind of conflate those two, but it was appreciation for who you are, it sounded like, and gratitude Appreciation for... for our strengths and limitations. So we're all born with innate talents, innate abilities. And it's about how we can really hone in on those and determine and identify what our real strengths are and understanding and starting to use those and develop those strengths. So really appreciating what we're naturally good at and being mindful of our limitations. Not ignoring them completely, but we've been kind of conditioned throughout life to focus on the things we're not good at and try and make them a strength. And actually, I use a lot of Gallup's research in their strengths finder and strengths uh, component and that is shifts that whole perspective and says no no people who are the best at what they do in any role are those that hone in on and capitalize on their strengths and manage their weaknesses or their limitations and isn't it and so often- it's a complete different like mindset shift I see that. I see that. And that just seems so so perfect and obvious and beautiful. And isn't it often that the things that we've considered our quirks and idiosyncrasies and, and our weaknesses, the things we thought were our, our deficits turn out to be our greatest strengths when That's right. positioned properly? That's right. Yeah. Yes, completely. <laughs> because, in fact, in the chapter on strengths, it, it starts out with this laundry list of these funny kind of quirky things. So I always make a list of things to do, or I always push the elevator button just to let it know that I'm here, or I always do these little (laughs) things. And those little quirky things, those quirky quirky aspects of our our personality, which we kind of think are just part of who we are, are actually clues to our strengths. Yeah. So why do you think it is that so many of us categorize ourselves wrong, unworthy, bad because of these idiosyncrasies, these ways that we might not fit in the box that we've been shown or told is the desirable category of human to be in? Well, I think you bring up a point there. And one of them is stop trying to fit into a box. Instead, break out of the mold and break out of the box completely and say, this is me. And I am unique. And I am an extraordinary and I am amazing just by being who I am and when we shift that perspective and start to realize we don't have to fit into somebody else's box and we don't have to be a different version of ourselves we just have to start being who we are and using what we already have and then we will be our best version of ourselves beautiful for sure i know in in joy school we we do a lot of uh self-acceptance work it's a tough nut for a lot of people to come to that place of self-compassion self-acceptance self-worth and i think we're so programmed with our silly little prehistoric brains to fit into the tribe that you know we still have that that fear of being ostracized from the tribe which meant death you know death in our our caveman days right so that's right when when we find somebody with these 
beautiful, interesting, quirky bits and we tell them, no, that's perfect. That's your light. Go shine that light. I find that the the default setting is often an eye roll and a quick wanting to shut that down. And that, that can't be true. Do you have any tricks that you use with your clients to just sort of ease them into that self-appreciation and self-worth because I agree with you that all it takes is a shift in perception for someone to truly see and value themselves that way and that'll start opening all those doors out there because energetically those doors can't open we can't even see them when we're locked in that blinder place of thinking that we're not we're not fitting in somehow we're not worthy we're not up to par how do you shift people's mindsets I talk a lot about mindset shifting in the book. All throughout the book is is so important around or so focused on mindset because our mindset is such a critical place, such a critical role in how we see ourselves, how we see our worth, how we see the world around us, how we engage with the world around us and with others. And one of the unique things, though, and this is really important for your listeners to understand and appreciate, one of the biggest developments in psychological research in the past two decades is the fact that we can choose the way we think. Okay, I need to say that again because I think this is really, really powerful. We can choose the way we think. Okay? Now, when it comes to self-worth, we've been conditioned throughout our whole life to kind of connect who we are to what we do. So if you think about at a young age, maybe when we first introduce ourselves, we would say, hi, my name is Jennifer and I'm five. Or as we start to get older, we might say, hi, I'm Jennifer and I go to such and such school or I play this position in sports. As we get into adulthood, we then start saying, oh, and I'm at such and such company and this is the position I hold and or I I'm married and have three beautiful kids or, you know, whatever it is. But we're constantly connecting who we are to external factors. Now, what happens there is then your self-worth and who you are and how you see yourself becomes very vulnerable because it's connected to these outside sources. What happens if those things change? How you view yourself goes away. So when we know that we can choose the way we think, we have to start shifting our perspective and our mindset around our self-worth. We are so much more than what we do, and we were born worthy. Our worth is innate. No conditions required. No qualifiers. Not I'm worthy because. No, there's no because. We're worthy simply by being here. And that's a lot for people to wrap their head around when we've been conditioned for so long to look at it from a different perspective. But when you shift, when you choose to say, no, no, I am worthy just by being, just by being, then you take back your power that you have given to other people for so long and you can walk out of the courtroom. You are no longer the defendant 
sitting there waiting for the judge and jury to deem you worthy or not. And that takes some practice. It takes some practice. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. And so I like to say, and, and you'll see this theme throughout the book as well, success requires P to the power of three, patience, practice, and perseverance. So true. So true. It really is. It's breaking longstanding habits. Yes. Habits are not easy yes. to break, but it's doable. People break longstanding habits One all the time. One step at a time. Don't try and make a massive shift. Start with little baby steps one little step and you become that becomes now your new habit over time and then you can build on top of that yeah absolutely for sure how does uh trauma tie into all this i know you talk about trauma a lot mm -hmm. do you find is it a, a correlative sort of a, a dynamic that the deeper the trauma the harder it is to embrace this self-worth idea it I think it depends on uh, so many factors. Uh, in When I talk about trauma, I look at trauma, or I define it in a way that say, you know, trauma is anything that we feel, any experience we've gone through in our life that we thought was excruciating or horrifying or awful. It doesn't matter how different that trauma looks to you than to somebody else. So everybody we've all gone through our own versions of trauma in our life we all have our own stories to tell and in the chapter on gratitude i talk about the idea that it's these experiences and what we learn from them and how we grow from them that help shape who we are today and it's these cracks and scars that have formed from these experiences that make us these exquisite, exquisite pieces of art. And so I talk about this concept of Kensuji pottery and where that is where the pottery gets shattered and they put it back together and they, they fill the cracks with gold. But instead of us filling our cracks with gold, we fill it with gratitude and gratitude becomes our gold. And that's what transforms us into these amazing works of art that we really are. And when we think about how we get gratitude, gratitude is about appreciating what we have. Not about thinking that we have it so much better than somebody else or falsely trying to have positive thoughts instead of negative thoughts. It's, it's truly finding appreciation for what exists right now. And I'd like to also say that gratitude is about outcome. And what I mean by that is oftentimes through a traumatic experience, you now have something that you're incredibly grateful for that would probably not have existed had you not had that experience and so gratitude becomes about that concept of outcome that you now have something to be truly grateful for that would never have transpired and often that requires some hindsight right when you're in the thick yes. of it it's hard to know sometimes that there will be... you can't exactly to your point you're in the middle of it I worked with cancer survivors, actually. I used to coach cancer survivors, and I used to, 
when they're in the middle of treatment, their whole life becomes treatment. It's focused on treatment and it's surviving treatment oftentimes. But once they get to a certain point past treatment and they've survived, they can then look back on the experience and start to see the things that have changed and how they've grown. They're no longer the same person. It's a life-changing experience. So it's not about going back to who you were. It's about becoming who you now are. If you get injured, I was, uh, re when I was writing the book, I was actually recovering from an ankle injury. And I always love, while I don't relish being hurt or injured, I love those experiences because they help you appreciate those things in your daily life that you were taking for granted often. And now you find that new appreciation for them and that new gratitude for them. I don't have to work out. I get to work out. So it, it creates this opportunity to find appreciation and gratitude for things that we were taking for granted in the past. And so how trauma impacts us has a lot to do with who we are when we experience the trauma in the first place, where we are in our own journeys, a lot of our past experiences and how they've shaped who we are up to that point and what we can take from them, what we learn from them. And so it does, it does really, it's so personal. It's, it's so part of personal. our personal fingerprint, if you will. Yeah, and it's one of the, the things that I often ask guests because it's something that I'm always trying to work out for myself is that you can take two different people and yes. who experience the same trauma. One of them, it's going to evolve them and grow them yes. and their perspective is going to shift and they're going to, it's really going to improve that person. And for other people, it seems to regress them in consciousness mm -hmm. and in their ability to, to function and manage and manage their emotions. And I always wonder what is it about some traumatic events or just traumatic events for certain individuals that make it go in one direction versus the other direction? I think a lot of it really has to do with our mindset and our attitude when we're not only experiencing it, but also how we learn and grow from it. So in the book, I, I wrote quite a bit, not just from my own experience, but also from other people's life experiences. And we can choose, I said earlier, we can choose how we think, but we can also choose to be defined by our experiences and limited by them or better for them yeah and that's sure. a choice and i think it's recognizing that we have a choice these things aren't happening to us we can't control what happens and what experiences we might encounter in life but we can control how we choose to engage with those experiences how we choose to interpret those experiences the stories we tell ourselves about those experiences and how we go forward and progress from them. I feel that you and I can agree that it's a choice that can be made. I think there are some people who do not feel it's a choice. They just don't have I, the, the capacity or the bandwidth or whatever yeah. the, the right set of circumstances are that it doesn't feel like a choice to them. And I think that's, that's where, you know, and I write a lot about this in the book as well, that there's a lot of things, especially when I ask people to go and look back at some of their life experiences or kind of start to reflect on maybe some traumatic things in their life. Sometimes it's, it's a good thing to seek professional help. 
to help you see, maybe figure out a way to find that opportunity to see it as the fact that you actually do have a choice. Maybe there's something that's blocking that for you. Maybe it's just not something you're able to do on your own. So find somebody who can work with you to help you unlock or find the key. Because I'm telling you right now, you have the key. You may not know how to use it yet, but you have that. And that choice is yours. So how can you maybe seek some professional assistance or find somebody who can help you recognize it and then be able to apply it? That's an excellent point because I think it is just the right person with the right vibration, the right like yes. syncing up of energy to just say that one sentence or provide that one example to create that yes. perceptual shift. So you are so right. That That is the the best direction to go and in. And seeking if, help is a good thing. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, a lot of times we think, oh, I don't need help. I don't, oh, you know, and there's this stigma against like, whoa, oh, I shouldn't need help. Seeking help is, shows strength because you understand where you are and what you need to actually continue moving forward. That is powerful. That is strength personified, being willing and able to do that. And to your point, sometimes it's one little phrase. I remember going through therapy at a point in my life where this therapist said one phrase to me and it was a catalyst for me. It was a real wake up call and it's exactly what I needed to hear. And they said, I haven't found any reasons to hate you, so why do you? <laughs> And, and you think, my gosh, you needed to pay. And I said, well, apparently I needed to hear that from somebody else besides myself and have that wake-up call at that moment in time. And so I think it's really important to realize that seeking help demonstrates strength, not weakness, and finding that right person that can help you unlock some of these things or get unstuck is really beneficial. That's a great example. I love that example. <laughs> I, I wonder how you feel about this. We get a lot of uh, spiritual teachers on this mm -hmm. show, and I've heard it asserted, and I don't think any human being knows the absolute answers to these things. I don't think we're supposed to, but I've heard this uh, sort of concept philosophy repeated from different spiritual teachers that we, our souls up there deciding to come down here choose and select the challenges we're going to face, the hardships, the difficulties as a absolutely intentional plan for furthering our soul, for furthering whatever we came here to learn in this mm -hmm. earth school. And I know a lot of people are a little triggered by that idea who are saying absolutely no way would I choose this show that I created for myself. So how do you feel about that? And is that does that play into whether or not we can approach it from that broader perspective of grace and acceptance to move into a, yeah. a higher place with it? No, I think, I mean, from my own personal perspective, I truly believe that every experience we have is an opportunity for growth and learning. Every experience we have. Now, granted, I do not want to go back and redo some of the experiences I've had in my life, but I am truly grateful right now for having had them. So 
whether or not it's preordained all of these things what i do believe is that experiences are put in our lives to help us learn what we need to keep moving on to the next step to keep moving forward in that journey now some of those experiences quite frankly are going to be painful but if you look at some of the most powerful lessons we've learned in our life, chances are they're the ones that weren't easy. They're the ones that were hard. And that's why they stick with us. And I'm a proponent, and I do this in my book, experiential learning is one of the most powerful ways that we learn through experience, learn by doing. And so I think life does provide all of that education for us the key is being open to receiving the learning because i also believe that you're going to continue to have to learn those lessons until you get them yeah so, so i kind of feel like if you didn't like that shit show then maybe get what you were supposed to get out of it and you won't have to repeat it <laughs> exactly Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24 through 26, at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. And, and to your point about seeking help, that would be seen by some people who are trying to tough it out as sort of too mm. self-indulgent, too weak-willed. What What is this issue we have with self-care? And I know that we talk about how self-care can be perceived as selfish. I know you talk about that as well. I'd love for you yes. to address that. No. So I look at self-care as essential, not selfish. And I always go back to this analogy that is around forever. I mean, you go on the airplane and it says, put your oxygen mask on first before helping somebody else. Because if you're dead, you can't help somebody else. So you have to have the oxygen enabled to do that, right? So for me, I would look at, and sometimes it's again, creating this shift in perspective for how people see seeking help. You don't not go to the doctor when something's wrong health-wise, right? I mean, you go to the doctor when you need medical care. You go to a personal trainer when you need support or help with a fitness routine or a nutritionist when you need help with figuring out what types of things I might need to do to shift my diet or how I'm eating. And I think that our mental health should be seen and viewed in the same exact way. You go seek education. If you want to apply to college, it's because you're bettering your education, you're improving your knowledge base, you're preparing yourself for the world out there or for what you want to do in life. And I would view that mental health and, and our mental health and well-being is exactly the same. So seeking help is like signing up for a course. Right? You, you're going to get additional knowledge, education, and support to help you continue to progress and become even better than you are right now. 
or to get unstuck or to get unblocked or to provide new knowledge and skills that you need to continue to go forward. Which will benefit everyone around you, by the way. (laughs) That's right. Well, the better we are, the better we can care for, and we have that much more to give those we care about. So, and I don't know about why this is the case, but in my work with leaders across the globe and in my work with people now, we as women, we're the worst at this. We put ourselves last on the priority list 99% of the time, when in fact, we should be at the top of the priority list because if we're taking better care of ourselves, we have that much more to give to everybody else that we're trying to care for. For sure. I think it's some cultural conditioning that's still just kind of I know. kind of up, kind of prevalent that a woman's worth is based on her care for others, what she's able to give of herself. Yeah. But if you have nothing left, then you have nothing to give. Right. And so recharging our batteries is absolutely essential, not selfish, essential. I Okay, your cell phone. When the battery goes dead, how useful is your cell phone? Yeah. <laughs> and we have a we have a probably a religious routine that we focus plugging <laughs> in every night. I mean, we will never let that battery go down because it's an essential part of our daily life. So why do we not think of ourselves exactly the same way? For sure, for sure. And nobody wants to be given to or helped by someone who's seething with resentment either. And that's where so many women get. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Doesn't feel good to be on the receiving end of that anyway. So you may as well fill yourself up so you're giving from a place of love and compassion and joy. That's right, that's right. So let's talk about some practical tools and practices for this kind of self-care and and life transformation. On this show, we always give the listeners some, we call it home play. We always give them something to take into their next few weeks that they can just sort of keep in mind or a a practice to put into play. What you got? So one of the biggest things that I think can have such a profound impact on people's lives is, and it's so simple, but it's starting a gratitude practice. And what I ask your listeners to do is to take just a couple moments and write down on a piece of paper three to five to ten, as many things as you can come up with, but a minimum of three things that you are grateful for right now. And some days it may only be the fact that you woke up today, like that's all you got, then start there, start there. But maybe you're grateful because you have a job. Maybe you're grateful that you have a great family. Maybe you're grateful that you have a roof over your head, food to eat. What Find those very basic, simple things that you can be grateful for. That list goes by your bed. And every single morning, when you wake up in the morning, you start your day, I am grateful for, and you read through your list. And every night when you go to bed, you go to bed reading your list. I am grateful for. Just do those two things and I promise you, you will start to see a shift in your mindset and your attitude that will give you additional personal strength and resilience to get through some of the crappy stuff that you might need to deal with in your everyday life. It's so true. It's so true. And I feel like gratitude has gotten a little bit of a 
people feel guilty about not feeling genuine gratitude for the things that they think they should be grateful for, right? We we all yeah. know, oh, I should be more grateful. I shouldn't be taking that for granted. This isn't about shoulds. It's not shoulds. It's truly, remember, gratitude is finding that true appreciation for what exists right now. Not where you might be going, but what is here right now today. And it's literally as simple as, I, I'm breathing, I'm standing. Yeah. Start with the basics. I used to have this gentleman come into my classes. I used to teach uh, fitness classes for older adults. And he used to come in every day and I would say, Joe, how are you today? He goes, I'm on the right side of the grass. <laughs> and I would go, you know, I love that. And that's what I mean by just finding one or two or three things that you can be grateful for. And then when you build that practice, what happens is when you're going through the crappy stuff, you can create that immediate shift in your mindset when you need to. That will be there to call upon. And you can, I remember complaining about some trying to go to sleep and it was super noisy. I was in Manhattan and I stopped myself in one moment and I said, shouldn't I just be grateful I can hear? That one shift completely changed my attitude and my mindset which enabled me to have a productive path forward instead of continuing down that negative spiral. So while this sounds, for some people, as to your point, they feel like, oh, it's superficial. That's okay, start with it. Just go with creating a new practice. Patience, practice, perseverance. Put it into play and start to over time see the shift that it creates for you. Yeah, because it really is an, an energetic shift that, that we don't know is going to happen until it does. I absolutely right. agree with you there. And for any listeners who are resonating with that, uh, oh, I should be grateful and I'm not grateful. This is again programming that is in our, our primitive brains. This is left over from our prehistoric days, which spanned a much longer period yes. of time than our civilized days. And, you know, we were programmed to propagate the species, which meant hoarding resources, right. fighting over desirable right. mates. Uh, none of that lends itself to blissfully basking in appreciation for what we have and who we are, because then we might drop the ball. We might stop trying to hoard resources and get more. That's right. You know, so it's, it's all cues that we're taking from a really outdated part of our brain that isn't relevant anymore in the, the world that we live in, the society that we live in. So sometimes that helps people to have a little more self-compassion around like, you know, why can't I be more grateful? You're just programmed that way. Just override it. Deliberately override it. Well, and that's it. the point where we said earlier, you can choose the way you think. You can say, thank you for those instincts because you have helped us get to where we are today. But I don't really need you right now. I'm looking to continue to evolve. This is part of evolving since we have moved on from that part of our existence. And now... Why wouldn't I worry, why wouldn't I focus on, I should say, thriving instead of surviving? So before it was all about survival. That's what we were in our primitive state, surviving and survival. Now we're focused on thriving. If I have a limited time on this planet, I'm sure as heck not gonna just spend it surviving, people. 
I want to actually get the most out of every single moment I'm here. And that's thriving. And to do that, we have to appreciate. We have to find gratitude. Just going outside and looking at the blue sky because it's been raining for two days and going, oh my gosh, that's all it takes. Start pausing and appreciating and finding gratitude for those simple everyday moments that we have that we just pass by because we're moving on to the next thing. Oh yeah, that tunnel vision. It sounds like you're talking about making an adjustment to how we talk to ourselves with that voice in our heads. Yes. Yeah. That that's a big communication trick, right? When we when we have to shift the way that we're communicating with ourselves. Yes. Practice. I in the in the the chapter on empower yourself to overcome your self-limiting beliefs, I talk about our self-limiting beliefs, our self-talk is often the uninvited guest. Mm-hmm. Because we don't invite them, they're not on the guest list, but they show up time and time and time again to wreak havoc on our lives. But the thing that we forget is we keep giving them power. For sure. And we can stop. We, and they are beliefs. Beliefs are things that we believe are true. They are not facts. And they are not, in fact, the truth. We simply have chosen to believe them. And therefore, we can shift that voice and that conversation in our head. I talk about doing reps when when you're dealing with your self-limiting beliefs. So talk about a very simple, actionable approach you can take. You have to recognize when they show up. Listen up. This is going to be your home play. The reps. Go. Doing reps. You have to recognize when your self-limiting beliefs show up. So how do you feel? What's happening to your body language? You you can see a self-limiting belief hijacking. If you're watching, if you watch any professional sports, but predominantly it's really easy to see in tennis. You see the whole body shifts when the self-limiting beliefs have taken over because the self-talk is going, you idiot, I can't believe you just made that shot. And they can't even move on from it. And so they keep perpetuating more mistakes. So you see this literal physical shift in the body when it takes place. Now, so recognize is the first one. Analyze. You have to start saying, wait a minute, is this in fact true? Am I actually an idiot? Is this gonna be the end of this entire match? No, it's not. I've been through worse before and I can do this and we just have to move on to the next shot. Let go of that one and move on. And then pivot. And pivot is how do we pivot to a more productive thought process? So instead of allowing that voice to continue, you can thank them for showing up because our self-limiting beliefs originated in a place to protect us from a place of protection and say, thank you. I don't need you anymore. And ask yourself a different question. What would have to be true for me to continue to succeed in this match, let's say, or whatever it is. So asking a different per a different question or creating a different phrase no i don't know how to do that yet so what skill sets what do i need to learn to be able to do that going forward beautiful yeah so doing reps people 
I like that's it. That's what's helpful. Good, good, good acronym to remember that by. Perfect. Tell us how everybody can find you and your wonderful book and what you might have coming up. Sure. So the book is called Claim Your Swagger, Stop Surviving and Start Thriving. And it is on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you buy your books. You can also go to swaggeru.com. And that's my website. And you can look up uh, books on the website. And there's links right there for you. You can find your favorite retailer. I just finished recording the audiobook, So I'm super excited about that. So I'll, I'll give everybody uh, insight when that's uh, ready to be launched. Uh, but yeah, and this is the first of three, first of three books. So the first one's Claim Your Swagger. The next one will be Develop Your Swagger. And the third one will be Live With Swagger. That's perfect, beautiful. And as for me, y'all, it's just still a whirlwind of activity around here since the release of Free Your Joy. Please go to lisamccourt.com to see all the wonderful stuff that's still available and coming up. Jennifer, thank you so, so much today. Listeners, we appreciate you. We love you. And I so look forward to playing with you more in this joyful playground. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Deepest gratitude and love to you, my beautiful listener tribe, with representation in 30 countries all across the globe. I'm so honored to spend this time with you. If you're wondering about my online events, my books, joining my Joy School community, all of that is waiting for you at lisamccourt.com. I look forward to connecting with you there. Much love. Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.